Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Glad for all of you to come tonight. We're especially glad to have Jay's friend. It's a cousin. It's a cousin. His name is Nathan. He's tall. But we're glad to have Nathan here tonight, and uh, we just ask that you'd make him welcome. Make sure you do before he gets out. Now, we're continuing our series, and uh, somewhere or another, we'll bring it to an end on dispensational truths. We've been looking at the seven dispensations, we're in the sixth one, that God has shown us in the Word of God from the dispensation of innocence, which is the first conscience, the second, uh, or or human government, the third, promise, the fourth, uh, law, the fifth, and grace, the sixth, and we'll look at the millennial uh, just in a week or two, maybe next week actually, I hope to get done tonight with what we're looking at, but as we look at this day of grace that we're living in, it runs parallel with the church, and this study is the cause of of the series that I started a couple of weeks ago out of Matthew chapter 13, and I hope by the grace of God I'll redeem myself a little bit from Sunday morning's fiasco, but still, but still, every dispensation, every dispensation ends in rebellion. It ends in failure, the failure of man. If you remember, dispensation is a period of time in which God tests men under certain circumstances and expectations. And every dispensation up to the present dispensation of grace, where the church age runs parallel in it, man has failed. Listen, folks, so is this age. It's going to end in apostasy. Now, last week, last couple of weeks, we looked at prophecies towards the end time. We dealt with something called convergence. It it means when all things come together, we were in specifically looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and other verses and passages that went along with that. But in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, I believe we have 19 different characteristics that Paul said will be manifest in the last days when evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 3.13. When, friend, that uh, uh, men will be, and here's the three, I couldn't remember, but two of them, lovers of their self, number one, lovers of money because they're covetous, and lovers of pleasure. And boy, if that doesn't identify this day, I don't know how else that we could describe it. But how true that is and how, how full that it is. We even talked about, we even talked about special dates, the Balfour decision in uh, 1917 when, uh, when they decided to make and provide, the British did. Lord Balfour decided to put before the British Parliament to provide a land for the Jews uh, to come back home. And after 900 Uh, 1900 years after being buried in the uh, nations like he said in Ezekiel 37 the children of Israel begin to migrate back towards the promised land the land that God told Abraham Isaac and Jacob is theirs and their seed after them what a special time it is remember we looked at and I'm doing this intensely I hope you don't get tired of it because it's so significant May 14th 1948 when Israel declared herself a sovereign, independent nation once again. You talking about a great prophetic event. That allowed, friend, listen, the door to open to all these other prophecies we've been looking at. 
1967. And once last week, I said 1963. I don't know whether these things go from here to here, but they disappear. Uh, the Six-Day War took place. And if you remember, I tried to remember uh, the name of the, of the rabbi who came into Jerusalem on June the 7th when they recaptured the city of Jerusalem with uh, General Allenby. His name was Rabbi Gorin, G-O-R-E-N. He carried two things. He carried a shofar and a copy of the Torah. And when he got there, and I, w- I want to read this so I can, so I can get it right. Uh, and I believe I got this from David Cloud. In fact, that is where I got it from. I did a little research today. I told you I'd try to, to find his name. On, on the 7th, when he got there with men around him, weeping, he said, when he blowed the shofar. Now listen to this. That, see, this excites the life out of me. I proclaim to you the beginning of the Messianic age. Wow. Now listen, the Jews know He's coming. They don't understand His coming as we do, but believe me when I tell you, they are looking for their Yeshua Hamashik. They're looking for that anointed one, the Messiah. And friend, He's coming. And I believe the way that the Word of God points to us, to all of these things we've been looking at, and more is coming is soon. Now in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing, uh, you know, his last epistle to this young pastor by the name of Timothy. And uh, he tells Timothy in verses 1 and 2, simply this. I'm going to give you a charge and be faithful carrying it out. Be instant in season, out of season. You say, why? Here it is in verses 3 and 4. And notice in verse 2 where Paul put the emphasis. He said, preach the word. Can I tell you all, I was talking to a preacher friend of mine just this week, and he said, Preacher, will you do me a favor for your congregation? I said, what's that? He said, will you brag on them for me and tell them I appreciate them standing in the way that they do on the things that they stand for, the way that they worship, and and just who they are as followers of Christ? I'd be a fool not to uh, let you all know that somebody else are bragging on you. Now you say, is that important? Yeah, when somebody away from here listens and knows what's going on in this church, the stand we take, the spirit that's in this place, I think that's a pretty good testimony. Do you all think so? And I appreciate that, and I told him that I'd try to remember that. But Paul said, listen, preach the word, and here's why, look at verses 3 and 4. For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, I I can't tell you and I can't overemphasize how little importance doctrine is throughout the church today. The ideologies of feeling good and promoting self. Y'all know, look, God knows I've prayed about not doing this. Stephen Furtick, I told you Sunday, I think he's a heretic, I do. You know what he preaches, for instance? Not every time he gets in the pulpit, but he preaches this. He said, you know, God, now listen, he says, God's not trying to make you something you're not. Well, no, that's not what my Bible says. Okay, but here's what he goes on to say. He's just trying to bring out of you what's already in you. 
Hey, I'm telling you, what's in me is an old man, an old nature that's corrupt. Now, I know I've got a new nature made after the image of Christ, but I'll tell you, that's what he's doing. He's working to conform us to the image of his dear son. The only thing, if there's anything good in me that he's going to bring out is what he's put in me. So we've got to be careful. And I know I hammer on this stuff. I'd rather get in here and be sweet and whatnot. But do you all know what I know? A little leaven leaveneth the whole up. Man, and, and maybe I'm hypersensitive. I mean, I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking and praying. Maybe I'm hypersensitive because of what I experienced at Casey, Greg. You were gone at that time. Thank God you were. When I had that church to split over the very same things that we see today manifesting themselves. All that? Okay. It was hard times. The prosperity gospel. All of this happy, healthy, wealthy, it's all about you and your self-esteem. Listen, I'm glad you all know that we come here to worship Him. I'm glad that when we built this facility just a couple of years ago, it was about Him. I mean, nobody else, friend, it was about Him, but enough of that. The time has come when they are not enduring sound doctrine, but after their own lust, after their own lust, they're heaping to themselves. Now, what's the next word? Teachers. Heaping to themselves. Teachers having it in ear. You know what I love trying to teach? I, I love doing series on Wednesday nights. I can't really do them as a priest, but, but I couldn't do anything else on Wednesday nights in Bible study, but to, but to do a series. I love teaching. It's part of the ministry. It's part of the pastoral calling. A pastor must be able to teach. But can I tell you what? There's more emphasis on the pulpit, from the pulpits on teaching today than there is on preaching we need men of God flat out declaring the Word of God. I believe we ought to have more men get in the pulpit with high blood pressure and with sweat and spit. You hear? I, I believe that. Now, it's not just the manner in which somebody preach. It's in, the, it's, in the, it's in the spirit in which they preach. But we need men that proclaim the Word of God. But here's why. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now there, in my opinion, is the biblical definition of apostasy. I'll put it in my words, T.K. Price definition. Apostasy is not, friend, believing something that is false because you're ignorant of it. That, that's just being wrong. That's just, you know, that's just being ignorant, possessing a lack of knowledge. But apostasy is turning away from what you know to be true to that which you know not to be true. It is rejection of the truth for error. And there are multitudes of people doing that today. Now listen, as bad as I hate to say it, this age, this church age is going to end in apostasy. You say, how do you know, preacher? I don't know when I'll preach this, maybe this Sunday morning. I mean... I was doing some studying today, and, and uh, I might preach a message that I hadn't thought of. Uh, but go with me to Matthew 13 really, really quick. We're going to get, we're going to get a couple of verses of Scripture, three actually. But, but when I preach it, I think, I think it will be obviously understood, easily understood actually. This is the parable of the leaven. 
Now listen, and I'll say this when I preach it, I'll emphasize it again and again as long as I'm in the ministry every chance that I get. Listen, everybody listen right now, say amen. Leaven is always a type of sin or false doctrine or something that goes against God. I could put it that way. We could talk about the doctor. We could talk about the the uh, uh, the problems of of Phariseeism, Sadduceeism, and and Herodism. And and I will maybe probably in the message. But leaven always talks about an evil principle. Always, always. He said this in another parable. We uh, spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and. Here's a hint. What did she do with it? Hid it in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. The purpose of leaven is to change every particle that it comes in contact with, with like particles of itself. How much, does a, how much leaven does it take to change the properties of flowers, lady? If you got a cup of flour, how much leaven does it take to change the flour? A pinch? Right? Just a little bit? Now look, here's some hints that leaven is bad and this is not going to end well. It is a woman. Anytime a woman is mentioned in an ecclesiastical setting or situation, it's negative in the Word of God. I didn't write this book. The Lord did. But once it begins... Once it begins, it has that ability to permeate the whole thing. And all these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. Without a parable, he spake not unto them. I'll stop there. I thought it was three verses, but it's really just one in the explanation of him ending the parables that he spoke in public. One verse. And folks, listen, believe me. We're seeing this played out in a remarkable way right before our eyes. Right before our eyes. Go to the book of um, 2 Thessalonians, just a couple of pages back. And there's a lot of places that we can see this played out. I'm, I'm going to say some things that I hope you, I hope you get, I hope you see. Um, it may surprise you what I'm going to say. I hope I can explain myself to where where I'm clear and I don't cloud the waters because I've got the real good ability to cloud the water. But I believe with all of my heart we're living in the last days of the last days. Another date that I'll give you all. We've talked about it the last two weeks in 2017 when, or 2015, excuse me, when the Supreme Court voted okay to have homosexual weddings. Did any of us ever think that it would open the door to where now we'd have to be worried about gender identification? Do do you see how progressively worse this is getting? Do you see how incrementally we're going the wrong way toward eternity, away from light, away from truth? Pretty amazing, is it not? Now listen to what the Word of God says in in, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. Paul said, let no man deceive you. Remember, I've told you, I've harped on this, I've preached this, I've taught this, so we're living in the day of deception. It's one of the great marks of the last day is deception. The Bible said, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and one of the last days, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving, deceiving and being deceived. 
It's pretty amazing what's going on. For that day, that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, that man of uh, sin be revealed, the son of perdition. He goes on to tell us the mystery of iniquity. Now get this, doth already now work. Only he that leadeth will lead until he be taken out of the way. Now what's all that mean? Really quickly. In Paul days, in the days of the apostles, there was already a move to bring in and to plant the seeds of apostasy. The seeds of going away from the truth. Paul, Paul even turned a couple of men over, over to, uh, uh, to judgment, Hymenius and Philetus, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Y'all remember them? If I remember correctly, that was their names. I mean, it was already there. Listen, remember the, the parable of the tares and the wheat? When, when the wheat was sown, the children of the kingdom, that night the devil came and, and planted tares in the same field. Y'all remember this? Folks, we're, we're watching it. We're seeing it. It's unfolding right before our eyes. And he said, now look, the spirit of iniquity doth already now work. Only he that leadeth, referring to the Holy Spirit, leadeth means hinders. Only he that hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Now, what's the difference? Let me ask you a couple, three questions. You turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. What, what was the Holy Spirit around before Pentecost? Was He in the world? Was He working in the world? He was active, was He not from the beginning when the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep when we find the creative works of God in Genesis 1.1. So the Spirit of God has been around. What makes it different as far as him and his ministry in this present church age is instead of the Holy Spirit like he did on Samson when, when there was a need for Samson to be strong I don't believe Samson looked like a Schwarzenegger I, I don't believe he did I, I believe he looked a little wimpish and I, I, I believe that would make it all now y'all can have a different opinion you'd be wrong if you want to That's a, no I'm just you know I'm just kidding you when I say that but, but I believe that that he didn't look like he was mighty. When the Spirit of God came on him, he became a mighty man, able even, able even to take a, 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 the jaw of the donkeys a, a, of, a, of an ass and slay a thousand men. That's the way I see Samson. I don't believe you know had bulging biceps and, and, and pectoral. Is that what? Since I don't have any, I don't know the names of You know what I'm saying? I mean, but I believe in the Spirit of God got on him. It changed it. Now, I may be wrong, and that's okay if I am. But I, I, I just said, the Spirit of God came on them. And, and He stayed there to enable them to do great feats or administrative feats or, or leadership roles or decisions, all, all that. But under the church age, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And great God on this Sunday in a great way to indwell us. Now, the church... Jesus said is to be salt and light, Matthew chapter 5. Salt impedes or slows down or holds back corruption or decay. How many of you ever, and if you haven't, you know what you're missing, ever ate uh, salt cured ham? Bad on your blood pressure, but good in your mouth. Man, I'm telling you. I I just, I love salt cured ham. And that's why they did that, you know, to, to preserve 
Now, it won't change the corruption. It'll just hold it back. Y'all know what I've told you ever since 2015? I believe with all my heart, God has withdrew that resisting, that restraining power of the Holy Spirit on our nation. Look what I'm going to tell you. Now, this is new to me, but I like it. The more I read, the more I study, the more convinced that God has shown me something that I'd missed for a long time. Chapter 4, 6 of the book of Genesis, verse 4. The Bible says in verse 3, I'm sorry. Let me get verses 1, 2, and 3 because I'll give you something else. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. How many people we have on planet earth right now? Seven billion plus, almost eight, right? We've got 300 and what, 30,000 here in America, the most that we've ever had? You all know that's a picture? That is a sign of the end times? That's what this says. And men began to... Can I ask y'all why the Democrats are pushing abortion? Can I ask y'all why they're so worried about the planet running out of food? Because they think that that, that the earth cannot sustain our population. I mean, in a strange way, they're trying to save it. I mean, it's ludicrous to me, their ideologies, but that's what it's all about. When you thrash it down, if you listen to them, if you understand what their mantra is or their uh, purpose is and their design and desire. But he goes on to say, he said, uh, and daughters were born unto them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were fair. They took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, now watch this, my spirit shall not always what? What's the word strive mean? To what? To live? To struggle with, to work against. What else? That, that pretty well sets it back. If you're striving with something, you're, you're, you're restraining, you're holding back, you're, you're, you're exhibiting strength, you're working to do something. And look at what God said. My spirit shall not always strive with men. I don't know if you are seeing anything in that, but, but, but I do. You know what I believe God was doing? I believe God was saying, look, my spirit will still do His work. Turn to the book of Amos chapter Chapter 8, I believe it is. I, I believe God was saying, look, the Spirit of God's going to do His work. There's no doubt in my mind. But let me ask you all something. Do you all think people react to the message of the gospel today like they used to? All right, let me ask you why. Let me ask you another question. It gets a little closer to heart. Do you all think Christians react to the message of the Word of God like we used to? Y'all think we're as sensitive as we ought to be? I, I believe this thing affects us all the way across the board. Jesus said, look, when I go, it's expedient that I go. I'll pray the Father, He'll send you another comforter. When He's come, He'll prove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment to come. He's doing His work. He's doing His work. But here's what I think I see. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I'll stand before this in judgment. Y'all may say, you have totally lost it, Tom. You may be closer to the truth than what I think, but I don't believe I am. I, I've, I've talked to some people that I believe are good Bible people, and they said, man, I, I see what you're saying. I like it. Let me know even when you teach it. But I think the Spirit of God is allowing man to do what they choose to do. Can I tell you? Let me ask you all instead of telling. What do you think God's 
greatest judgment upon mankind is. If God were to do anything He wanted to do, and He can, and He's brought some severe judgments on mankind, upon nations and individuals, across the pages of the Word of God, what do you think the worst judgment God could pronounce upon man, individual, or nations as groups? Bingo. That is it. Now, if I understand the book of Romans chapter 1, God said, God said that He, let me get it right, He gave them up. Well, we're not going to Romans, I'm just saying. I I mean, we're staying at Amos. Romans chapter 1, He gave them up. He gave them up. And then He gave them over. You know what He said? I'm not going to stand in their way. I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to let them have their way. And they're going to enjoy things that bring destruction upon their self. Now see, you all may not be getting this or feeling this, but, but, but I sense the fear of God all over me in this. People are doing things, friend, to their own eternal demise, and they think that it's the greatest thing in the world. God, help us. You see, every time I go in and out of Woodward, I go past a gay church. And it affects me every time. I'm happy when their car number is low in the lot. I really am because I know that few uh, people are not being, that, that, at least those people aren't being deceived. And it's sad to think that you've got light when in reality your light is darkness. Y'all remember the scripture, don't you? How is it? He said, uh, the light of the body is that it is, is the eye, but if the eye be single, it's full of light, but if the eye be dark, how great is that darkness? It's not, that's poor quotation, but isn't it awful to think that you've got light and reality, it's darkness. Can y'all see that? My word. Look what he said in Amos 11. 8 and 11. Listen, I mean, I, I got this a long time ago. And, and, it, and it excites me when I hear other preachers preaching it that, that I've never talked to. Or, but listen to what he said. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God. That's, that's the authority here. And he knows. Now, I've got to quit on this. That I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread and water, but of, what's the next word? Now, listen, listen. He asked in Luke 18 and 8. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? Let me tell you, let me tell you something that I, I believe what Amos 8 and 11 is saying. He's not saying the truth won't be there. He's not saying, he's not saying that the Word of God would not be available. But he says, I'll send a famine in the land, not of the Word of God, but of hearing the Word of God. There's a difference in hearing and listening. I don't know, folks. I could I, Look, when Debbie and I were going to Phoenix, the Bible said they shall run to and fro. Every airport, the two airports that we went in, in Phoenix and in Charlotte. Charleston wasn't as bad, but it was busy for a small town. But in Charlotte and in Phoenix, it was like a bunch of ants running as hard as we could go to get to the next place. Can I tell you all that, that, 
we're seeing signs. We're seeing evidence in lots of ways, on lots of levels, that this could be, and probably is my opinion, the rapture generation exciting. Lord willing, next week I'll move on to the next millennium. I'm not done. Lord have mercy, I keep you all here till he comes. But I, but I won't. We'll move on to the millennium. And what we're going to do in that probably, unless the Lord leads me different, we'll look at the Abrahamic covenant shortly and the Davidic covenant briefly too because they're so significant.